When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. I'm delighted this week to be joined by the latest name on the list of snooker ranking event winners, Jordan Brown, Welsh Open champion, of course, recently. How are you, Jordan? I'm all right, Dave. How are you? Very well, thanks. We'll obviously get to that. Um, in detail later on, but let's uh, let's start at the very beginning. Um, how did you get into snooker? Uh, it started when I was about five years old. My dad bought me a table for Christmas. He saw that uh, I was obviously watching it on TV and sort of had like an interest in it. So just went from there, really. Uh, went to uh, go into the living room every day after school, and, uh, hit a few balls and that. So, yeah, just went from there. And at what point did you realise that a, it wasn't just another hobby, and B, that actually you were quite good at it. You know, you had some talent for it. Um, I think I, I learned very quickly, you know, was building the breaks. It was a small table. It was only like a six-foot table, but it was like 30 breaks, then gradually improving 40 breaks. And then my dad eventually took me down, I think when I was about nine, when I first uh, played on a full-size table. Um, small breaks to start off with, again, 20, 30 breaks. And... I realized I was getting really good whenever I was breaking the 50, 60 mark. I was improving quite quickly. Uh, it was only about 13 where I really took it seriously, you know, going from hobby to, you know, wanting to, to do something with it, you know. So, yeah, it was around about that time where I thought that's, you know, I've got, I've got something here. And why do you think it was that you were sort of taken with it um, as opposed to maybe, I don't know, playing football or golf or whatever? Why, why, why do you think, was it just because you felt you were good at it or is there something about snooker that, you know, is, is sort of attractive to you? I think I had an obsession with snooker in general, Dave, from the start. Uh, I, I watched it on TV. I watched Stephen Hendry lift all the trophies. Ronnie, obviously, was breaking through at the time. It's just the whole game, really. I was just uh, fantasised with it all. Um, so, yeah, just uh, uh, snooker's in my blood. You know, I, I love the game inside out as well as, you know, being in a privileged position to you know, to play it for a living. So, yeah, it, was, it just really went from there. And you're in quite a small part of the world in Northern Ireland, but a very uh, good one for snooker. Obviously, they have the history, Alex and Dennis and so on. They have also, mo- most importantly, when you were growing up, a structure whereby 
you weren't just knocking balls around in a club. You were now you could play junior tournaments and you could sort of progress as an amateur. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate uh, back in the junior days because there was a lot of people around my level um, that were all good players, but especially the likes of Mark and there's another good few players that were better than me. So I learned my trade uh, very early on. I started at junior tournaments. So I think my first one was 14. Um, I found it tough at the start, you know, because, you know, you need to, that's what makes you as a as a player, really. You know, you have to take the, the passions and, mm. you know, you learn more from losses whenever you win. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough whole process. But, um, I, again, I, I started getting results uh, I started winning a couple of junior tournaments and just worked my way up the ladder and then eventually started doing well in the senior tournaments um so it was good 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 pedigree uh, coming through um very fortunate obviously like having the likes of Mark Allen in the club because I saw his progression at the start you know the first time I saw him play he was uh 13 and I thought well who's this guy here and he beat me 2-0 in, in about 20 minutes. It was about, uh, I think he had a century and a 70, and I was mesmerized by how he was playing. So, um, yeah, it was very, very fortunate, especially to have likes of Mark around. Uh, well, we've been practice partners for the guts of 20 years now. So, Can you remember the, the first event you won? Because that would have been, to get that first trophy, that would have been uh, very exciting. Oh, it's testing the memory. Uh, I think I won a junior tournament, uh, I think it was an under 16. I can't remember exactly when it was. I remember my first senior event, actually. I remember it very well. I actually won my first final, 6-1, against Martin O'Neill. I'm not too sure if you've heard the name. Yeah, he was yeah. A former... yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was um, it was good memories. You know, it was obviously, I was I was a quick learner, uh, quick quickly improved. And um, there was, no, it was, it was a lot of good times there. You know, I do, I do miss them in a way, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of great competition. Like it was hundred hundred uh, entries in most of the tournaments back then. Even in the junior tournaments, you're very lucky to get maybe nine or ten nowadays. It's very poor. Uh, back then there was at least thirty forty. You know because it was if it was every weekend you were going Saturday morning you were traveling to a junior tournament somewhere. Sunday you were traveling to a senior event. Uh, there was always something to look forward to. So um, that's where I think it's lacking nowadays. You know there's not a lot of. Uh, events that are well run right now, it's fair to say, uh, but it it is it is getting back there. You know, Northern Ireland uh, as a whole is good, good good interest in the game, and that's why we all get behind each other so well. Mm. Eventually, you won. Well, not eventually. You were still young. You won the Northern Ireland Championship, which is a lot of great names um, on that uh, role of honour. So that was a breakthrough, wasn't it? Suddenly, you're top amateur now in your country. Yes, uh, 2008, I think it was. Uh, I won 10 9 in the black, which was, uh, I, I love the deciders, so it is. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, it was good, good, good memories that time as well, you know, because I think that was whenever I was starting to really break through. Uh, I was starting to get very consistent in the senior events. I eventually came, became number one amateur in the country. And then whenever I eventually won the 2009 Northern Championship, I had to win the tournament to turn professional. So, um, whenever I did turn pro, uh, it was only six tournaments back then. You know, it was like yourself, Dave. It was very, very poor, and you had like weeks in between events. You know, you were basically playing part time, really. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I was very, I'm very proud. You know, to win the Northern Championship, some great names that have won it, and uh, some names that haven't won it, like Sir Joe Swale. He never won it, so mm-hmm. to, to be in that uh, list of names, it was very, I was very proud. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about turning pro because I, I think you probably turned pro at probably the worst time in, in the last 40 years. All the sort of 80s and 90s, that, the honey, that honeymoon had gone. It was before Barry Hearn took over in this last 10-year era. You were just in between the two. And like you say, only six tournaments. And crucially, only a one-year card. You didn't have the two-year card that you have now. So you were right up against it from the start, weren't you? You're thrown in, first of all, to playing against players of a much higher standard. So that's hard enough. But you had no time at all to, to find your feet. And like you say, because of the gaps between events, you know, there was, you couldn't build up any momentum at all. No, you couldn't get any, any rhythm, like you say, weeks in between events. I was working part-time as well. I think that's where I had to, you know, because mm. the money was very poor back then, it's fair to say, before the Barry Hearn era. Um, two, two matches to win something like £1,400 wasn't, wasn't great. And um, it didn't make much. It was very hard to make any money at all and very hard to progress up the rankings. I think even Tony Drago won like 10 matches the same season eight turn pro. And I think he just about stayed on the tour. So that just goes to show you how difficult it was back then. It did need a, a good revamp and that's why we're so uh, lucky to have Barry Hearn coming into the game. Um, but like you say, it was a long time, but I was realistic with myself. Uh, back then I, I, I sort of just wanted to learn from the experience you know I, d- I didn't expect to stay on it was very hard to anyway but um, I think that sort of stood me in good stead for the future and yes it did take a little bit longer uh, than I expected to get back onto the tour uh, only turned pro again there three years ago um, so it was a few years in the doldrums you know but I never stopped trying and I never stopped uh, believing in myself well, that's what I was going to say, because like you said at the start, snooker's in your blood. So it seems to me there weren't any moments where you thought, actually, maybe this isn't for me. You were still very much focused on, OK, you've got to earn a living as well, but snooker is still part of my life. And you were sort of almost playing the long game in a way, you know, you're going to at some point make it back on. Yeah, yeah. I always believed that I was good enough to get back on, Dave, but... It's all about discipline and all about putting the hard work in. And there were moments, a lot of moments actually, where I just wasn't prepared to do it. Mm. You know, at the start, I, I thought, well, I've been, I've been pro uh, once. Uh, I'll do, I'll turn pro again. Uh, it's a, that was all down to me, really. You know, I, I just messed about a bit off the table, just didn't really uh, want to do the practice. But, um, you know, it was about five years ago. Uh, it was well documented in the interview that there was a good turning point. Uh, just decided to just put the effort in and uh, just put put the hard work in because no matter how talented you are, and I'll say that to any junior, you need to be prepared to make sacrifices and uh, put the work in. So um, yeah, it was it, it just I think that sort of made me as a, a player that I am now, you know, because I have been at the lowest point, uh, you know, my time my time off. So uh, yeah, it was it just made me a good stead there for the future. If it was a film, we would see this this moment. It'd be almost like you know, in the middle of the night, you'd walk into the bathroom and look yourself in the mirror and, and all that sort of thing. Was it as, was it like that, or was it maybe you were approaching thirty and you you're realistic enough to know that actually you don't have forever to do it? Yeah, because I actually saw like like some players, not not naming any names, but there were some players on there where I thought, well, I thought I was better than him. You know, mm. it was just sort of. Woke me up a little bit. It made give me the kick up the backside that I needed to to go down and put the hours in, and that's what's what I've done. And I, I finally got my rewards uh, three years ago when I when I turned professional. And uh, then I just I was always 
the the belief was always there. Like I always keep saying that, but you know, you need to really believe in yourself. And I think that's what I always have done because figures in my blood and it never went left the system, so to speak. Mm. A lot was a lot was made, and we'll obviously come to the Welsh Open later on. But a lot was made of the fact you'd you'd worked in a petrol station, and I think the reason is that we're used now. It's very different to snooker forty years ago, but we're used now to players essentially leaving school and coming into snooker as a career. So the great champions we think of, the Ronnies, the Higginses, Mark Williams, they've never actually had another job. They've just come straight into snooker. I think the reason a lot of people took to your story is they recognised actually you put in the hours, yes, on the snooker table, but you have to balance that with real life, which everyone understands is you have to earn a living. So was that how difficult was that to be working? I'm not quite sure what your hours were in the petrol station, but to be working a day's work and then fitting the time to put in quality practice as well. Well, I'll just start by saying... Um... It was it was very it was very difficult uh, because I was getting up at half five half six every morning freezing cold mornings, going into work doing a day's work and then whenever you do a day's work all you want to do like a normal person would yeah go home and sit and relax chill on the sofa have your dinner and watch the TV for the rest of the night I couldn't really do that because I felt like I still had something to achieve like I keep saying I always believed in myself that's why. I, like I went down and put the hours in like I was only maybe coming home having an hours kept having my dinner and then going down maybe seven o'clock in the evening sometimes I wasn't coming home till midnight and then I had to do it all over again the next day so I didn't have much sleep uh, during the week but um, listen the, the, these are the things that you gotta do you know it was hard but um, I think that's what made me better as a as a person rather than a, than a player. So you you did get back on uh, through the Q school Um do you do you think you changed? I mean, obviously you got older, maybe more mature, but were you a better player? Do you think second time? And also, obviously, you must have thought at least I've got a bit of security now because with this two year card and more tournaments to play in, it's actually is now there's opportunities for it to be more of a profession than what it was before, as you say, which was sort of part time activity almost. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think back back then when I turned pro, obviously I was still working and stuff, but. Whenever I turned pro this time around, uh, it was basically a two weeks after uh, my job. I had them a two weeks notice and just thought, right, if I'm going to do this here, I'm going to get absolutely everything. So just basically treated like a job from day one, really. Um, put, put the hours in every day, you know, going to tournaments, you know, because you don't really have a chance to, you know, come back and settle at home, really. You're coming back one week and then you're going away the next week. Uh, obviously, me coming from Northern Ireland, there's there's a lot more extra travel involved, flying over, getting ferries over, uh, yeah. obviously in recent of lockdown. Um, so yeah, it, it's it has to be treated uh, with the respect it deserves because we have so many terms, so many earning opportunities. Um, you know, thanks thanks to Barry Hearn and all at Word Sticker again, giving us the opportunity, especially in these times. Um, so it's 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 the right time to get to get on, and I think you know during my during my career, I've always been um, got a, got a good got a good perspective of you know get put putting the effort putting the effort in you know when the time when the time's right. And yeah, so it's it's been enjoyable a uh, couple of years, and obviously I was close to dropping off uh, last season, um, and I being a regular tournament winner, it's uh, yeah fulfill fulfill my dream. Yeah, I think it's worth saying that a lot was made of the fact that you may be made in age terms a late breakthrough. But actually, this is only your fourth season on the tour. I, I, I mean, I mean that's comparable. It's a different thing. But for example, Mark Williams, he won a ranking event in his fourth season. But obviously, he was much younger because he came on and, and stayed on in those days. Um, so in some ways, your breakthrough is actually quite quick in a way. 
it's just it's, it's how people see it i guess um but let's talk about okay so you're back on the tour the improvements seem to be coming and, and like you say last year to qualify for the crucible to keep on the tour is is huge but the chance to play there albeit of course in the end with no audience so what was that like to to play at the crucible um, i know you're a big sort of geek like i am in terms of snooker so you know to play to play there it's a holy grail absolutely but it's not the same as everything you've seen watching on tv no crowd no, that, I've got to be honest, that was a little bit crippling because I was looking forward to, I think, I think the Crucible crowd, you know, sort of makes it what it is. You know, you get the oohs and the ahs. Uh, you don't get that anywhere else. Well, not not many places anyway, maybe Alexander Palace, maybe the Temperdrome. But the Crucible is so unique. It's so uh, rich in its history. And, you know, I'm always, I've always been, been obsessed as a Zucker fan, you know, watching it over the years. You know, lived and breathed, you know, every moment with some of the players, you know, because... It does create its own drama. Uh, so that was a little bit of a signal to qualify for the first time and just a, a typical, you know, lockdown hit. And, uh, you know, the, the rules and regulations came in at the time. You know, I think it was the day before uh, that they were announcing there was no crowds. So, yeah, that was that was disappointing. But, listen, I wouldn't swap it for the, the whole Crucible experience, you know, crowd or no crowd. Um, I lived and breathed every minute of it and sucked it all up and just used it as a, as a great experience and you know once i'll want me to get back there again you know because whenever things calm down there'll be i believe there's going to be crowds in this year uh hopefully that's the case and uh hopefully i'm one of the 32 players involved well it's certainly true if you look at um pretty much every top player lost on their crucible debut ronnie did higgins hendry all these guys it takes a bit of getting used to even without a crowd and of course you're playing an absolute master there mark selby Although he mm-hmm. did, he did struggle a bit, didn't he? That were you sort of disappointed a little bit with maybe the the, the match because he, all right, he can, he can win when he's not at his best. We know that, but he wasn't at his best, really, was he? And and it, the match got a little bogged down in places. I know because I commentated on every frame of it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't put you to sleep, did I? <laughs> um, yeah, playing play Mark Selby, I was actually very happy with the draw because you know it, it's always going to be a very tough ask, you know, because the top sixteen players in the world. Whoever you play there, it's going to be really tough. But playing Mark Mark Selby, you want to test yourself um, against one of the greats in the biggest stage of all, uh, which I was very privileged to, to do last year. Playing Mark Selby was was always always going to be a difficult task, but it didn't stop me believing that I could win. You know, I obviously proved in the Welsh Open final, being one of the greatest in Ronnie, that I that I can do it. So, on reflection afterwards, I was very disappointed with the result, and especially the way I played because I felt like. He was there for the taking over the two days, you know, because he did struggle both days. Um, I feel like if I had sort of, you know, improved a little bit in the match, I think I would definitely have won. But listen, you know, it's an invaluable experience and, you know, it's, it'll sell me in good stead for the next time. Well, let's let's get on to the Welsh. But before we do, the signs were there, weren't they? Because you got to your first quarterfinal at the German Masters, um, obviously in Milton Keynes, as, as all the events were yeah. then. Um, did you feel, and maybe it was sort of a bounce from the Crucible, a bit more confident? Um, you kept your place on the tour. You made that important step playing at the World Championship. Could you feel yourself maybe feeling more confident during the season? Yeah, well, I finished off, well, the, the season in no better way, really, qualifying for the Crucible. So I knew, I knew my form was there. Uh, coming into the season, I was getting some consistent results, but I was a little bit disappointed because... You know, I, I just couldn't get past the last 32, um, it, which was, 
it was it was very difficult. It's difficult to win matches as it is. You know, it's like a bloodbath. You know, sometimes, but um, especially in recent times, we've got the quarterfinals of the German Masters, and I knew something was there going into the Welsh Open. I just felt like I was coming to them near enough my best. You know, and I was starting to get a little bit of consistency in the game. You know, I just thought if I can realistically get the another last sixteen or a quarterfinal, you know, not happy enough, but you know, just sort of gradually progressing all the time, but never did I envisage what was going to happen, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I've, my form has been good uh, all season, really, but especially in recent times, you know, because of putting in the hard work and I'm, and I'm learning things all the time. I've made small improvements in the game. And my coach, Marty Bramble, back home, me and him have been working closely back home uh, just to get my game, you know, where I feel like it should be. So, yeah, it's just a combination of hard work and uh, dedication that's got me to that. Well, let's talk about um, that week in Newport. It started quite nicely, a whitewash, but uh, then the, the close matches started. Now, as you know, obviously, those multi-table matches, unless someone in your position in the rankings isn't, isn't playing a top player, you're going to play early rounds at the back. So we didn't necessarily see your matches, but we saw the results and we saw that you were winning all these deciders. You beat Sam Craigie, you beat Alex Ersenbach and Mark King, all 4-3 to get through to the quarterfinals. Were there any times in those matches, because I say we didn't see them, where you basically could have lost, maybe should have lost? I mean, we talked about, you know, obviously the Selby match we'll come to and Ronnie in the final, but early on, it seemed, you know, like it was all very tight. <laughs> Uh, well, first of all, uh, I beat a very, very good player, Lu Hong Hao. He's one of the, 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 the tougher ones, you know, in around the, the 50, 60 mark. And it's hard to believe that he is in a position that he could fall for tour. It's just, it just goes to show you how hard it is. But a nice win against him. So that really just, obviously, the first round gets you the rank of points and the money and that. So, so it settles you down right away and you feel a small part of the tournament. But obviously, a long way to go. I, I played Sam, Sam Craigie. Uh, very, very tough player, talented. Um, I feel like he could have done better, um, you know, for the talent that he has. But I was actually down and out in all all those matches that you mentioned. I was, I was. He had a I'm trying to remember. He he had a he had a red in the middle, uh, Sam. And if he had got it, the the balls were just sitting there, and the decider that went four three could have lost there. Against Alexander Ersenbacher, it was probably the worst match I've played all tournament, you know, especially the first half, because it was 3-1 down, just could not get anything going at all. Uh, and he was on a break in the next, and I was I was actually getting ready to, to go home. Mm. So it was because um, he didn't play that well, but the balls were sitting so nicely. I thought, right, well, just put this down to a bad performance, go back home, and I would have thought not much more of it. Um, it's just wee things like that, you know, were starting to happen, and, you know, maybe start to think, oh, Hang on a wee second, I'll have a chance here. Um, so I came back to what beat Alex 4-3, and then Mark King, he's, you know, all know what he's like. He's a very gritty match player, never makes it easy for you. And I felt like it was a good game. Um, it wasn't the heaviest score in the contest, but there was some really, really good safety play. And, and if anything, not matching, but I felt like my safety was, was, was better than his in a way um, I think that's what made me create a lot of chances you, you have to work so hard for your chances against somebody like Mark um, I was 3-2 down and he was in the balls in that frame the deciding frame he was in amongst the balls as well and uh, he had his chances to win so things are starting to, to make me believe right could this be my week you know but obviously what was to happen with the, the draw that I had you can never have uh, saw that coming yeah, well, first up, obviously, quarterfinals, Mark Selby. Um, 
that turned into a sort of war almost, didn't it? It was such a hard-fought match. You know, he's stolen a frame after snookers needed. Last frame was, to use Jimmy's word, Shredsville all over the place, wasn't it? Comes down to the last black. He has a chance to pot it, misses. That's almost a sign again that maybe there's a sort of fate to all this because you back Mark normally to pot a ball like that, you know, under pressure. He didn't. And you obviously swooped in and, and won the match. Yeah, one of the, that's actually probably the hardest match I've ever been involved in, mm. even harder than the the, Cruci- the Crucible experience, you know, because uh, it just makes it so hard for you and puts you out of your comfort zone. But like I told myself to do the rest of the term, which we'll come to obviously in a minute, you know, I just thought just play the balls, not the player, and mm. um, just focus on what I was doing. I knew my game was good enough, and I felt like I actually played. And probably matched him in every department, you know, because if he if he can live with him in the safety play and the tactical side, you know, that's that's a start really. Um, so I gave myself every chance to win that match uh, from the very start. But obviously, what happened at the end, you know, was very dramatic. You know, because obviously Snickers required he kept getting them, uh, and then it came down to the black ball and it's reminiscent of that Henry Williams black mm-hmm. in the eight final. I actually remember watching it and. Uh, I thought this, the, these can be missed. I was actually had that thought in my head. You know, this this isn't the easiest of blacks of crossing up. And whenever he, I didn't expect him to miss it, you know, but when he did, you know, I just sort of uh, got himself together and potted it. And it was just sheer relief more than anything. Um, because if you can beat Mark Selby, uh, then, you know, you feel like you can beat anyone. Well, next you had to beat Steve Maguire. And it was a very different match. You just played brilliantly from the start. You made a 1 3 5 in the first frame. String of breaks, good clearance as well. Is that? The, do you think that's the best you've ever played in that match? I mean, it was really impressive. I've actually said it many times to my family and friends that that's mm. that is what I question the best performance I've ever played um, because right from the very off, I part of the long reds and made one hundred and thirty-five. That just settled me right down, and I was just enjoying every minute of it. You know, because from here on in, it was just sort of like in a bit of a free roll almost because. Mm. You know, I had realistic goals at the start of the season, getting the quarterfinal, and you know, if I could push through for a semi-final, you know, I'd be happy. Um, but you obviously want to win tournaments, you know, but you sort of have to set yourself realistic goals, you know, to follow your path. And but against him, Stephen, from the off, I played really, really well. Uh, put him on the back foot early. I put a lot of pressure on him, and I think it was a fair reflection of the result, you know, because I never really gave him a sniff. For most most frames, so yeah, very very pleasing that picker. And now, and of course, you would know winning that whoever you played in the final, it was going to be a legend. It's either Ronnie or Mark Williams. Uh, it turned mm-hmm. out to be to be Ronnie. I just wonder, it's going to cast your mind back to that morning, that Sunday morning when you wake up. You're you've achieved an ambition. You're in a final. How did you feel? Did you feel okay? In a way, I've got nothing to lose, or is it actually you know this is a chance? And who knows when the next one will come along to win a title? How were you sort of feeling before the match? Because of course you made a good start. You know you went four one up, which suggested you were feeling good about things. Yeah, well, done it the hard way. Obviously, getting to the final, you know, you couldn't have asked for a much more tougher path, especially from the quarterfinals onwards. Um, so there was obviously no reason to believe why I couldn't have won the final. I, I always believed that I could win. Otherwise, what's the point showing up? You have yeah. to sort of. Uh, you have to be realistic, obviously. You know, it's going to be a tough ask against the greatest of all time. But I, I just had this strategy where if I can go in and just play the balls rather than the player, because we all know what Ronnie can do. He can seem roll our opponent, uh, opponents very easy. 
Um, but I just wasn't going to let that happen that day. And I just thought, I, I gave myself every chance. And uh, so it proved, you know, I, I held, held myself together, 4-1 up, playing great. Um, but you're always preparing for him to come back at you, you know, because, you know, we all know we can get on a roll very easy. But just sort of stuck to the task and stuck to my guns. And, um, yeah, that carried it through the whole day, really. I don't know what you think, uh, Jordan, but to me, one of the big frames was the, the 12th frame, the last one before the interval, because yeah. he'd gone in front at 6-5. And the sort of logic from what we've seen over the years is, OK, he's got you now, he's going to pull away. And you dug in in that frame. It was a tough frame. You dug in. You've got six each at the interval. Did that then give you, did that sort of restore the belief that maybe it started to just waver a little bit? Because as I say, you, you've seen it from your seat. You know, so many times you've watched it on TV, Ronnie O'Sullivan getting in front and then sort of pulling away and winning. Yeah, I was I was aware of the fact what being 5-3 up, I thought, right, just be prepared, you know, for Ronnie to come back, you know, because um, you sort of, you have to expect it, you know, because it's a big final. He's, He's one of the all-time greats. He's been there before. He's he's gonna he's gonna do it again. I was hope, just hoping it wasn't gonna be that night, but it was five three up, and then he's going six five. I actually started feeling really nervous because during the first session I was actually quite relaxed and just enjoying it. Started to feel really nervous when he, especially when I went six five. And don't forget, he was a positional shot away. I think he pulled the yellow and didn't get on the green properly. Had to play safe. Uh, if he if he lands on the green at seven five and. You know, in, in my own head, I thought, right, okay, this is going to be really, really tough now. It's going to be a tall order from here. Um, but that was a massive frame, and that gave me that extra little bit of a G up. And, um, you know, firmly believe that I can go on a win, you know, because um, it was actually the first time uh, in the whole tournament I actually went to the practice table during an interval uh, because mm-hmm. I felt like my game, I felt like my game wasn't great. I felt like my confidence was away. So I just needed to restore some of that belief. Uh, that, you know, I, I can still do this. And, yeah, we all know what happened from then on. Yeah, well, you went 8-7 up. He made a, a crazy century, really, to to level up. He gets in first, pots the first ball in the decider, takes on quite a low percentage pot, I think. We've got to say, you get your chance. But, of course, you have to take it. And this is the biggest frame of your life now, isn't it? This is the biggest moment of your life. You You look cool. I mean, you made a 74 to win the tournament. How were you feeling inside? How did you? Well, more to point, how did you stay cool? It was so. So many people have said this to me. Uh, how do you remain so calm? You know, I honestly didn't feel like it. My heart was skipping, skipping beats and everything. It was so nerve wracking. But I just had to tell myself just to be focused and just concentrate on every single shot, hundred percent. You know, because yeah. oh, this is your time. This is your moment. You know, can you stand up to the pressure? I kept just telling myself, can can you do this? Of course you can. Um. Obviously, with the four deciding frames that I had in the tournament previous, you know, coming to another deciding frame, all my friends were winding me up back home saying, oh, you love a decider. I really don't love a decider. I'd rather not go to that stage. But, um, yeah, because I had all those deciders and uh, everything that's happened, you know, beforehand, you know, there's no reason why I couldn't do it again. Um, and obviously, it's by, by miles the best break I've ever played under pressure, you know, because it doesn't come much uh, much tougher than that. So you've done it. It's it's over. You get the trophy, all the ticker tape, everything. But a slight was there a slight sort of bittersweet feeling because all the people who supported you, your family, your friends, your coach, all those people who would normally be there for a big occasion, of course they weren't there. Was that slightly? I mean, nothing could be done about that. No one's fault. But maybe that's not what you envisaged when you thought about yourself winning a tournament. 
No, it was, it was unfortunate. Um, I'm, not, I'm going to be honest, I would love to have had my family and friends over, especially obviously who I mentioned in the speech, um, Marty, Catherine and my girlfriend, my girlfriend and my father. You know, it would be nice to sort of add even one of those guys, you know, just sharing that moment with me. Um, but listen, I wouldn't swap it for anything. Um, everybody was going going nuts back home. I think I had most of Northern Ireland as a standstill. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to share it with someone. But um, listen, the, the the feeling that I had at the end, it was just I was overjoyed. I was it was emotional. Um, it was just something that that I've always dreamed about. You know, since I started watching the game, playing the game whenever I was a little boy. Um, yeah, it was just an overwhelming feeling of. Uh, of emotion, I suppose, yeah. And it must have been nice as well. Obviously, it was nice to hear the words from Ronnie. Ronnie was incredibly gracious, wasn't he, afterwards? He must have been disappointed. Fourth final, sorry, third final at that point that he lost that that season, but he, he couldn't have been nicer about it. I, th- I think that's what made me even more emotional, you know, whenever I was uh, doing my speech, because he was saying such nice things about me, and I'm sort of like pinching myself, this is my idol, you know, <laughs> saying these words. Uh, it, it was... It was flattering to say the least because we all know what Ronnie's like. He can say a, a few things that he probably doesn't mean, but you can just tell he was so genuine, um, and that's what that's what really meant a lot to me more than anything else. You know, because he's um, he's been the benchmark for everybody on tour, and uh, he's an inspiration to everybody. So yes, um, it was it was mind boggling. I've got to say. How, how long in the immediate aftermath did it sort of take for it all to sink in? It must have, it must have taken a few days because obviously you have to go straight to Milton Keynes to play the next tournament, as we know. But I suppose yeah. was it was it maybe when you got home and you saw everyone? Was that when things started to get sort of real? Um, I've got to be honest, David. It's it's still not sinking in really, mm. you know, because it's such a huge achievement, and it's sort of can't quite believe it's happened to me of all people. Uh, you know, because I'm just a normal bloke who just enjoys playing sticker for a living. And, you know, this thing isn't just supposed to happen, really, but it has happened. And, you know, I'm enjoying every minute. Um, I'm obviously, with the quick turnaround in tournaments um, nowadays, you know, you don't really have time to sort of celebrate or, you know, dwell on things. You know, you're straight back into it. And that's what I wanted to do straight away, really. I uh, just wanted the dust to settle, get back home, have a few days off and get back to the party table, get ready for the next tournament, you know, because... Um, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of expectation on me now. You know, it's up to me to quickly, quickly find a little bit of form again, and uh, you know, go into the next tournament and hopefully do well in it. Yeah, of course. Obviously, you, you had to play the Players Championship, uh, lost six nil to to John Higgins, and I think people thought, oh, it's come too quickly for him. But then John, John then battered everyone else in the tournament, including Ronnie. He just played unbelievable, didn't he? Yeah, it was it was a little bit. I've got to be. No point laying there about it. There was a little bit of a hangover from the Welsh mm. Open, you know, just like I say, a quick turnaround. Only had three days to really prepare, and I, had, I barely had a chance to go even down to the practice table because I had so much press and so much, you know, attention, the media spotlight. Um, just never really got a minute and hardly sat for a couple of days. So I wish I wish I had a, maybe a week off in between, but um, but listen, that's just the nature of the way the tour is these days. You know, we, nobody can complain. Um, then I played Rob Lawler and the Gibraltar Open. Um, got off the slow start and made a couple of breaks to get back to three all. And then he made a great break in the center. So it's not like I've played badly since. It's just been, you know, players of maybe players maybe just getting themselves up for a wee bit more. I think you know because they're they're obviously aware of the fact that I am a tournament winner. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, it's up to me now just to sort of uh, crack on and make sure it wasn't a one-off that was something. Yeah, and you've got a lot to look forward to now. Obviously, you've already gone up the rankings. You've got a, a good platform to maybe push on towards, you know, top 32. Champion of Champions is coming up later in the year. All this stuff, all all the rewards are there, aren't they? Aren't they from winning a tournament like this? It must be exciting looking ahead to sort of the next few months. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Um, I'm actually looking forward to, in a way, having a bit of time off after the World Championships. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I'm going to get myself properly ready. Uh, I've got three weeks now. Uh, two matches to get to the Crucible. I really want to get back there, you know, because uh, like we talked about earlier on, the experience last year, a little bit disappointing, but hopefully it'll, it'll have crowds in and the it'll have, you know, the attention that the, the World Championships d- deserve. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and already looking forward to next season as well. You talk about expectation. I, I suppose there's quite a bit from other people now. Maybe you'll be on TV more than you were but also, I guess, your own expectation you've got to deal with as well. You 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 look at yourself differently now. You're a tournament winner. I guess you want to keep going, keep doing well. How do you think you'll cope with that next season? You've already shown great mental strength, obviously, to come through. Firstly, to get back on the tour, then to, to win this event. But now you're in uncharted territory in a way, aren't you? You haven't had this before. So how are you? How do you feel you're going to sort of deal with it? Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult, you know, because. I've actually spoke to other players about it. I spoke to Karen Wilson actually at the players' championship, and he actually made me feel a little bit better. You know, it was just after I lost to John, and he says, "Listen, I lost another few matches after I won his. I think his first tournament, Shanghai Masters. Yeah, he won. Uh, he won that um, probably before he expected as well. The same similar sort of thing happened to him, and look what's uh, went on to happen for him. He's he's a tournament winner now, and he's." Up in the top eight in the rankings were, were fully deserved, you know, because he's so consistent. So it's um, it's not just me; it's it's all, it's happened to the the best of them as well, you know. But you have to suffer a few knockbacks, you know, after after a win. But um, I'm going to keep myself uh, mentally and physically fit. I'm going to make sure I give myself every chance to push on. I want to get into the top thirty-two, and obviously the aim uh, somewhere down the line would be top sixteen because there's no reason why I can't. Be honest, Jordan. How many times have you watched that final back? You must have watched it a few times. Uh, not going to lie, especially the last frame, you know, because I'm just thinking. I actually remember what I was thinking every single shot. It was just, you know, just living and breathing again. It's uh, you have to sort of watch it back as well, you know, because you sort of have to remind yourself, you know, especially when you're going to have, you know, dark moments like every player does. You know, you can look back at that and think, right, well. I can't do it under under pressure of I've dealt with the greatest pressure of all, um. But yeah, watching it back again, it, it was very emotional. Um, even more emotional uh, watching it than I was actually in in after the match itself. So yeah, it's 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 nice to reminisce. It definitely is. Obviously, now it's all about the world championship. Um, as you say, you know now there are going to be crowds. You want to get there and sort of experience it properly, and also go there having played. Um, having played there already, so you know what it's like at the Crucible. We don't know yet who you're going to play in the qualifiers, but um, you've got two rounds to get through. Um, well, it's it's it, there's a lot of pressure on everybody, but I guess no. The point is, no one wants to play you now, do they? Possibly, possibly not. You know, uh, and like we said earlier on, you know, it's it's probably going to get them. Uh, whoever draws me is probably going to get themselves a little bit up for it now. Mm. You know, because they know I'm a ranked tournament winner. They know. Uh, um, you know, if I'm a feet in the tour and, you know, I, I, I belong to be up, up there with one of the best. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, the, the, we all know what the qualifiers are like. It's a, it's a 
it's going to be yeah, it'll be very tough. Everybody wants to get to the crucible. It's going to be a lot of pressure on all other guys in the tour. You know, fighting for tour survival. Fortunately, I'm not in that position. I was. I know what it's like. Um. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to the qualifiers, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, get to the crucible again. Well, Jordan, thanks for being with us this week. And what you winning that tournament, it created something I've very rarely seen in snooker, which is I didn't see anyone who wasn't happy for you. Even Ronnie O'Sullivan fans. They saw the story. They recognised all the effort you put in. It was uh, it was one of the great moments I can remember in, in the game. Um, and I hope that you that you have many more because, you, as you say, you're you, you're sort of if, if we cut you, you'd bleed snooker, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, th- thanks for having me, Dave. It's um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, hopefully you can uh, you know kick on from here. Thanks, Jordan. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.